Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. So this is our second weekend and our last weekend in the series, Five Vital Decisions. Five Vital Life Decisions. As we discover how to live life to the fullest, to live life to the max, uh, based on the instructions of God's Word. And so we've been basing this series on a neat little phrase from the New International Version of Scripture. And the New International Version, in translating the New Testament from Greek to English, uh, came up with this phrase that's in the New Testament that's there quite often. And it says, make every effort. Make every effort. So uh, it's talking about being, being diligent to 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 give it your best, to give it your all. And, and it's telling us to do this in, in five areas that uh, we've been looking at and pointing out. Now, when I'm praying and thinking about what to preach on a number of weeks ago and scheduling it and beginning to meditate, I had no idea, no idea, that we'd, we would be in the midst of this global pandemic I had no idea the pain that uh, many of us would be experiencing. I had no idea that things we felt were so solid would now be so fragile to us. People we love and care about are, are getting sick with uh, the COVID-19 virus. We, we have people who uh, are losing jobs. Our economy is struggling and uh, our kids can't go to school, and I tried to sit down and have a cup of coffee with a friend this morning, and that was impossible too. Things we've taken for granted have been taken away from us. The thing that keeps us going in difficult, challenging times are the things we've built into our life, vital life decisions that we've made that that we can cling to, not only in the good times, not only in the great times, but in the harder times, the the difficult times. And uh, we're going to look at them today and believe God to touch your hearts as we as we do that. One of the kind of foundational uh, teachings of Scripture that Christians have taught and preached about over the years is the reality that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. We read in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21 and verse 11, when the disciples said, what, what, how, how do we know when it's time, the time that you're coming back? Jesus said to that, there will be Luke 21, verse 11, there will be great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Plagues, pestilences. I'm not sure if, and I don't want to presume, that COVID-19 is one of those 
uh, pestilences that's being talked about in Luke chapter 21. But I do think we need to take it seriously. And I, I also think that we, uh, we need to at least give some consideration that maybe we're closer to the end of times than we've realized. So we need to make decisions that are going to even now help us for uh, this period we're in and help us live life well for whatever is ahead. So we started looking at this last week and we said vital decision number one, vital decision number one is get sufficient and proper rest. Get sufficient and proper rest. So this series is is out of uh, the book of Hebrews. So let me read it to you, Hebrews 4 and verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort. There's that phrase. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Talking about the Sabbath rest, the rhythm of life which moves from work to rest, work to rest. Let us enter into that rest. We need to, if we're going to live well, if we're going to serve well, if we're going to love well, we need to be people who are honoring the principle of rest in our lives. You need to be getting adequate rest. And the second uh, principle we looked at last week, and we'll start at point three this morning, but just, uh, or today, we'll uh, just look at Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 14. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, which says to us, 2 Peter 3 and verse number 14, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, that's the return of Christ, make every effort, there's that phrase again, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. The second vital life decision we need to make is to live lives of purity and integrity. So let's move on to uh, point number three, the third vital decision all of us need to be making. And we'll go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 14 and verse number 19 to talk about, that, to talk about this third principle. The third vital life decision is to live in a way that edifies others and makes peace. The third vital life decision is to live in a way that edifies others and makes peace. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 19. Let us therefore make every effort. There's that phrase again. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Now, there are some people who kind of pride themselves in being with, uh, being, uh, uh, the word rhymes with fit. They kind of pride themselves in being fit disturbers. They say, well, I, I'm around to, to create disturbances. That's what my goal and purpose is in life. Well, I would suggest to you that that's probably not serving you very well. And it certainly doesn't look good on you if you're a follower of Jesus. We need to make 
every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We live lives that edify one another and make peace. So in 1938, uh, Harvard University began following 724 participants. And it became the longest running study ever done on human development in all of history. Study was developed to figure out what makes us happy. Study explored every part of who these 724 participants were, from physical and psychological traits to their social life and to their IQ. All of that was factored in and how they took all of that stuff and how they learned to flourish. Findings from that were published in a book in 2012. The title of the book is Triumphs of Experience. Listen to what they discovered in this, the longest running study ever on human development and human behavior. Triumphs of Experience said, the key results show that happiness and health aren't as a result of wealth, fame, or working hard, but come instead from our relationships. Happiness and health comes from our relationships. Learning how to have good relationships where you are edifying other people and making peace is really, really essential. It's a vital life decision. I'm going to be somebody who encourages people. I'm not going to go into a room and be a fit disturber. I'm going to go into a room and I'm going to make peace. It's a vital life decision. So it, it rolls really two ways. The first one is in your relationships, you need to make sure uh, you're edifying people. You're encouraging them that, that you're bringing peace into the room. You're not bringing disturbance into the room. And then the second uh, part of it is uh, so much of life depends on the quality of the relationships we have with other people. And sometimes you need to do some social distancing from people who aren't encouraging and who are just creating disturbances in your life. You need to make the decision to be that kind of a person, and you need to make the decision to, for your health, for your mental health, for your spiritual health, to not let people who are living in the opposite manner uh, be a huge uh, influence in your life. And let me just throw in a bit of a practical suggestion here as well. Uh, if you want to get ahead at work, probably serves you much better to, to be an encourager and an edifier and a peacemaker than uh, to be uh, the troublemaker. Believe me, your boss doesn't get thrilled if you're a troublemaker when you show up at his door. Learn how to encourage and learn how to make peace. So the fourth uh, vital decision is this decision, and uh, let me pull it out here for you. We're using the New International Version, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. Make every effort, make every effort to keep 
the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Boy, there's a lot of emphasis of peace. We make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We work at that. That that matters. It's a vital life decision. Now, strangely, uh, over a lifetime, I have heard many, many, many sermons on, on this subject. And usually it's been applied to the church. Don't you dare disagree with your pastor. You're destroying the unity of the Spirit. I think really in the big picture, this is a life principle. And it's a life principle that especially should be applied to our homes and, uh, and our work. So uh, let me uh, share a little bit from the 2001 uh, HBO miniseries called Band of Brothers. Uh, this miniseries was a true story about uh, combat in the war. And uh, it's the story of the Easy Company and the British Army, the company of uh, the troop was called the Easy Company, from their training in England through D-Day. And at one point in the miniseries, the commander of the troops says, and, and let, listen in here, the only hope you have to be a good soldier is to accept the fact that you're already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier. I read that and I thought, boy, that is a deep truth, particularly in relationship to the life of us as Christians. If you're a Christian, hopefully you've been baptized, and when you get baptized, you're making a public profession that, that you're choosing to die to yourself. One of the big reasons we get into uh, so many poisonous situations and so many disagreements is because we overvalue ourselves and our opinions and our viewpoints. This was a momentous week in the Drisner home. Uh, five, six years ago, we put our little poodle dog, BB, down to sleep. She was full of cancer and was just the kind thing to do. Well, this week, let me introduce you to our uh, newest member. This little eight-week-old black poodle doesn't have a name yet, but she now is part of our home. Here's the challenge in all of this. Pastor Don and I were raised in very uh, different homes. In my house, animals were called beasts. Beasts. And the opinion of the head of our house, the house I grew up in, was that beasts belong in the wild or on the farm, and unkind people bring beasts into their home because these beasts 
are learnt to find, meant to find their own food and they know how to find their own place to sleep. And we're ruining these beasts by bringing them into our That's the house I was raised in. Donna grew up in Verdun and the theory of her family was if there's any animal out there, uh, we need to get them in our house because they need a safe haven to be loved and cared for because good Christians don't let animals suffer. So our expectations of animals is very, very different. For the last couple of years, Donna's been kind of saying, I sure would like a puppy. Sure would like a puppy. You have to understand that I don't need a puppy. I'm going to love the puppy, but I don't need a puppy. And in some ways, I'm maybe even a wee bit happier if we don't have a puppy. But I know that Donna having a puppy means a lot to her. And so our family has now got another puppy. And we welcome her to our home, and one of these days we'll get together with our youngest grandkids and give the black puppy a name. Maintaining the unity of the spirit requires a spirit that says, I don't have to have my own way on things. And so Pastor Don and I are working through this, and and we had trouble finding a puppy because we had a really low price point, and Donna kept praying and saying, this is what I want the Lord to provide. And finally we got this purebred poodle at this really low price point, and she uh, goes and sees it, and, and she's a sweet little dog. <laughs> and a few days later I said to her, Don, are we going to get the puppy? And she says, no, I... I I, I think we won't, and, and her decision there was really based on my preference and the fact I have a mild, and it's very, very mild, allergy to puppies, uh, even a poodle. She was giving in, and I was giving in. That's the only way we maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have to die to our agendas and our wishes and... <laughs> All the things we think really, really matter. It just poisons the atmosphere, creates irritability, uh, it causes raised voices. Uh, so fourth vital life principle is make the decision in life to maintain the unity of the spirit. Make the, and lastly, point number five. Point, and so good to have you with us today. Thank you for... Uh, for joining us. Turn the volume up and go fill your coffee cup up a little bit if you want to. Uh, number five, we need to make the decision to keep growing in our faith. We need to make the decision to keep growing in our faith. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one and verse number five. Second Peter chapter one and verse number five. helps if I get in the right book. 
Maybe you've made the same mistake I just did. It was in 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to add your faith. What it's talking about here, what Peter's talking to us about, is make sure you are growing in your faith. Make every effort to keep growing in your faith. You see, you were designed, you were created to enjoy deep, intimate fellowship with God. That's our purpose. That's what you're designed for. A car is designed to transport people. You are designed, you are designed to be in intimate fellowship with God. And until you make the life decision to be serious about your faith, you're never going to live life to the max. You need to make the vital decision to grow in your faith. So 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5. Let me uh, read it to you. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now, goodness is in many versions translated uh, moral excellence. It's the Greek word arete, arete. And moral excellence refers to something that is demonstrated in the normal course of life. So in the normal course of life, we begin to demonstrate this growth in our faith. And so there's a, there's a, a ladder that, that is climbed here. And, and I think I'll, I'll read the ladder uh, out of uh, the King James Version. Here's the ladder of growth that is being talked in these, in these verses. Make every effort to make sure you're growing. Uh, apply diligence. So start with moral excellence and add to your moral excellence knowledge and to your knowledge uh, add self-control and to your self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness add love. So we're to be climbing this ladder which starts with this moral excellence that's to be lived out in the ordinary routines of life. And the peak of it is, is love. We want to be known at the neighborhood church as people who deeply love God. And we want to be known as people who uh, have a deep love for one another. And so in recognizing that and and studying that, we need to figure out what does love look like? Well, I've been thinking a lot uh, this week as I have seen fear permeating our, our culture. I've, I've been thinking about uh, what uh, John said to us in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul, Apostle John, sorry. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Friends, it's not that uh, we don't have fear knock on our doors. 
And it's not that we don't take this pandemic seriously, but we have matured in Christ, at least we need to be aiming to mature in Christ, where we'll be walking in this love that, not that the fear doesn't come, but we cast it out. We don't allow it to become contagious, a contagion that we're sharing with everybody. We are not fear dispersers, we're faith dispersers, we're love dispersers, and love casts out all fear. Perseverance is also one of the traits of, uh, of spiritual maturity. I'm getting really, really excited. I am on page 853 of this book on Ulysses Grant, uh, President of the United States, uh, elected after Abraham Lincoln, Vice President, took over for a little while, but the guy who took over, the elected President, after uh, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, before that, he was the general uh, in, uh, in the, the war that Abraham Lincoln was overseeing. And there's a story in there about him overseeing the army. He was sitting in, in kind of a cottage overlooking the, uh, the war. Often he was right on the, on, the, on the field, but this time he's in the cottage and a, and a bullet shoots right by him, like just poof! And there's a bunch of other army uh, leaders in the room, and they're kind of shaking and in fear. And uh, General Grant says, would one of you go get that bullet? And they went and got it, and he looked at it and said, well, at least now we know what artillery the enemy's using. There's story after story about this guy refusing to be shaken. Perfect love casts out all fear. We need to be maturing in our Christ, in our relationship with Christ on that ladder uh, I just talked to you about and, and came up on the screen as well. We need to be working really, really hard at developing that ladder in our lives. This is a difficult time for our world. It's also a great opportunity for us as Christians to share the goodness of God and the strength of God with people who are having a really, really challenging time. Let's be mature people who've made the vital life decision to be growing in our faith and to even take a time like this, a challenging time like this, and say, oh God, I'm going to learn from you in this and I am going to uh, grow as we walk through it. So I'm laying in bed, sleeping, sound asleep, between Sunday night and Monday morning. But so it's my Sunday night sleep. And in the middle of the night, I just wake up like that, just, just awake, just like that. And God speaks to me and says, why are Christians spending so much time planning on how to handle the COVID virus and so little time praying? And it hit me and I realized, yeah, yeah. I think, friends, with all of my heart, that our responsibility, one of our responsibilities as a church, is to be in 
prayer and seeking God's face at this time. I know many of you are being careful and have chosen to live in self-isolation, and we honor you in that and respect you in that. And some of you, because of where you've been or how you're feeling, should be staying home on top of that. And we pray God's grace would be with you. Others of you have been comfortable with some social distancing. We're setting up our sanctuary this week so you can come into our sanctuary and pray. Don't come. Please don't come if you're not feeling well. Please, when you come in the door, wash your hands. Take some of the alcohol-based cleanser. Make sure your hands are cleaned. And our chairs will be set up uh, six feet apart. Come and find a place to pray. We need to be in prayer for our world. We need to be in prayer that God's will would be done in this. We need to pray that people in this time when we're not allowed to touch one another would experience a touch of God that they have never experienced in their life. That people through this somehow will learn how to find and follow Jesus. And we can help with that by being in the place of prayer. We'll be open from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Monday to Saturday at 10 a.m. Monday to Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll have a more formal time of prayer, an hour of prayer, 10 a.m. Please don't come if you're not comfortable with it. We understand varying convictions on this. But at the same time, those of you who are feeling well and strong, let's pray. Let's turn this thing around. Let's not accept it. But let's ask God to intervene and let, uh, let's ask God to be at work. Can I end with a story? Uh, it's a story about the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I told my wife that when I leave this earth and you're preparing the memorial service, the funeral, make sure you include this great old hymn of the church, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by a Christian lawyer named Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. In uh, 1871, his only son died at the age of four. In 1872, the great Chicago fire wiped out his vast uh, estate that he'd made and accumulated from his successful legal career. In 1873, he sent his wife and his four daughters over to Europe on a, on a summer holiday. He was going to come behind them a couple of weeks later. And uh, it was an ill-fated trip. The ship sank. And he lost all four of his daughters. And his wife sent him a telegram that simply read, Saved alone. Saved alone. She was the only survivor. He went and met her. And then they returned home and his law firm burned down. And the insurance company refused to pay him. 
ended up not being able to keep his house because his income ended. No work. And he's sitting and he's thinking about everything that has happened. And being a spiritual person, he sat down and wrote a song that said, Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. So I've been thinking and preparing for this message. And I wanted to remind all of you that in spite of what is going on around us, our life is not based on the circumstances. Our life is based on the goodness of God and our relationship with him. And, and I thought I wanted to tell this story it is well with my soul. And then I was talking to Amanda and saying, how do you want to end the service? And she said, Pastor, I've been thinking maybe we should sing it is well with my soul. <laughs> I didn't tell her a thing. She said, maybe I've been thinking we should end with it is well with my soul. Today, my friends, it is well with us. Circumstances aren't good. Circumstances are fragile. But God's goodness abounds. Jesus has paid for us to be in right relationship with sovereign God. It is well with our soul. Maybe you've listened in as a guest today. So glad you're here. Or maybe you're part of our regular family and said, that's fine, Pastor, but it's really not well with my soul. I've never really surrendered to God. I'm very much alive. I haven't died to my own desires. And maybe you want to today... Begin a journey of change and invite Christ to be the center and heart and soul of your life. And if you're there, I, I would just invite you right now to, to take, your, take, your, take your phone and text us. We'll get a hold of you. We'll help you here. Here's the number, 306-230-7169. Text us. We want you to discover the great joy and great grace of life in Christ. It's the most vital decision you'll ever make in your life. It is well. It is well with our soul. The worship band comes now. Would you just thank God for his goodness? Would you thank him that it is well? It is well with your soul today. In a moment, I'll come back and... Uh, just leading a word of closing prayer. And uh, thank you again for being with us today. And so, Lord, I thank you today for this time we've had together. Thank you for those who've joined us in living rooms and family rooms. Some have just sat at a desk in their offices at work, maybe a home office, wherever we've gathered. You've spoken to us, and I thank you. I pray, O oh Lord, that the touch of your Spirit would be very real to each one of us. 
in this time where we're spending less time with each other. May we discover the beauty of knowing you and fellowshipping with you. In Jesus' name, we ask for these things. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.
And so, Lord, I thank you today for this time we've had together. Thank you for those who've joined us in living rooms and family rooms. Some have just sat at a desk in their offices at work, maybe a home office, wherever we've gathered. You've spoken to us. And I thank you. I pray, O oh Lord, that the touch of your Spirit would be very real to each one of us in this time where we're spending less time with each other. May we discover the beauty of knowing you and fellowshipping with you. In Jesus' name, we ask for these things. Amen.